Welcome back to Square Horror. I'm your Duke of Spook, Danny. No, not only are you the Duke of Spook, Danny, but listeners, um, this is a special episode today. I, the Master of Ceremonies, have willed to my co-host Danny a a birthday present. Danny's birthday was this past Thursday, and Dan, if anyone doesn't know you, what is your like favorite thing ever? My favorite thing, probably bar none at this point, is Ghostbusters. Yeah, so. We're going to talk about Ghostbusters, and by what we're going to talk about Ghostbusters, I mean you're going to talk about Ghostbusters, and I'm going to And you're to going to chime going, in every once nice, in a while. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, anyone who knows me, I am a huge, avid fan of the original 1984 Ghostbusters movie and its 1989 sequel, Ghostbusters 2. Yes, we're going to talk about Ghostbusters 2 also. Hold your horses, ladies and gentlemen, because I just watched it for the first time. And I loved it. It it's was a, great. It's such a fun movie. I legitimately enjoyed it very, very much. Oh, it makes me want to go back and watch the animated series now, which I've never actually had the chance of watching. I never saw that either. Um, I had action figures based on it because I was a Ghostbusters fiend little kid, but I never got to see the show, and I know the actors in the movies don't actually voice the characters in the oh, TV show, sure. which is a kind of sad in my eyes, but I understand that they were on their big career spikes at that point. They didn't really want to make Ghostbusters 2, did they? Well, yes and no. <laughs> we'll get into that in a little bit. Oh, I can't wait. And I truly don't know. I'm going to take the time in this episode after Ghostbusters 2 to talk about the kind of makeshift Ghostbusters 3 that came out in 2009, so, which was the video game. Okay, so do you want to talk about Ghostbusters Afterlife any at all? I'm, I hesitate, so I'm going to say no, but I might say something anyways. Okay. So, this is going to be a long one, guys. Strap yourselves yeah, in. Yeah, strap in, because Lord knows I have lots it's, I want to talk gonna, about with this. Yeah, we're tentatively just going to call this Danny Rants About Ghostbusters for an hour and a half. <laughs> which I fully expect and hope that he does. Woohoo! Dan, walk us through... Um, Ghostbusters, if, if no one's ever seen it before. What's Ghostbusters about? So it's 1984, it's the height of the 80s, and in New York, there seems to be some paranormal things beginning to occur. Something strange in the neighborhood? Perhaps? One might say there is something okay. strange in the neighborhood. <laughs> um, and so this team of scientists um, from, I believe it's New York University. Wait, you don't for sure know something about Ghostbusters. It's a minute fact. <laughs> Come on! Watch out! Don't you don't pull me on little minute facts. I can quote this it's entire all, movie. It, I know, <laughs> and because of that, this is all I have. You can quote the score. I can quote like, the, the lines, sound effects, and music to the like, entire like original Ghostbusters. Cues. Like I saw this with you in theaters a couple of weeks ago, and it was magical. To the whole, it was like that you were like Matilda-ing this whole movie. Like, it, it, like it would grind to a halt if you didn't like if I didn't keep give going. a nod or something. <laughs> so yes, this movie st this movie stars Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and Harold Ramis as the Ghostbusters who start up a company to hunt ghosts and learn more about the paranormal after they are kicked out of university because. They're not getting anything done, and they, and the university's like, hey, we're not going to pay for this if you can't prove you're doing anything. To be fair, they're parapsychologists, yeah. which literally means 
alternative psychology. Mm-hmm. So they're doctors in something that's just fake. Yes. That, like not to, They're doctors so, in something that doesn't actually so, exist. Okay, for the purposes of this movie, ghosts are real. They yes. show up and ghosts are real, so Ghosts right. are around. And they do use science to back up every single thing that, that they do. But for all intents and purposes, parapsychology is just a wiggity weird make up field of psychology which um, I wrote a paper about parapsychology <laughs> for my research class. I, I, did, I You took part in that study. Mm-hmm. It was just like, as I'm writing it, I'm like, I can say whatever I want because it's just like, you know, they can be like, that's preposterous. And I'm going to go, you know, well, do you know, do you know not? Do you know the opposite? Real? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's I want to see your proof. It's like, yeah, can we prove that ghosts? It's like that Warren case about the the Warrens that Lorraine. Yeah, Warren. they were. In a, I, well, I don't know if they were being sued by Warner Brothers or whatever, but like, it came down to their defense team was like, prove ghosts aren't real. <laughs> and they're like, oh, are you kidding me? So this is where these guys are coming from. So, I mean, while I know that two of them definitely have good hearts, um, Peter does not. <laughs> yes. So we have Egon Spengler, who is the, like, main scientist. He is the nerd of the nerds He's in this Ghostbuster business. For sure. He is absolutely the straight man. He'll play so many things so straight. And especially in Ghostbusters 2, I was it's hysterical. So hard. I don't, like, he was funny in the first movie. Mm -hmm. I have not laughed harder at his performance (laughs) than than watching the second movie. Oh, yeah. It's just so much more like, yes, yes, introduce the puppy. (laughs) Write that down. What happens if we take away the puppy? Mm, Interesting, interesting. (laughs) Um, Then we have Raymond Stance, who is kind of the... I hesitate to call him the businessman, but he's the one who he's the one who puts up the money for the business by putting a third mortgage on his house that his oh parents left him. And he's just kind of he's kind of pushed around by the other two <laughs> well, because he's, he's Dan Aykroyd of the group. He's Dan Aykroyd. He's just kind of he's like I'm here for the fun, guys. Wait, I have to go first. <laughs> well, truly, like because Dan Aykroyd wrote this movie with with Harold Ramis. I mean, and, and I I'm pretty sure you know about this, but. Those are people that don't. Dan Aykroyd is a huge like figure in the like underground paranormal scene. Absolutely, um, he's had his own show about like aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, he's seen uh, countless UFOs. Uh, he believes in ghosts. Like the, all of this stuff in the movie, like the ectoplasm. I mean, no one in America knew what ectoplasm was until this movie, mm-hmm. but it had been a thing in the field for decades. Oh, like, absolutely. He got to like make this movie around something that he truly liked and i mean i probably would be with the studio execs being like there's no way this is gonna be a hit (laughs) yeah well yeah this movie was made within a year it was between it was less than 12 months from green lighting the project to debut in theaters (sighs) and i have huge respect for ivan reitman who made it all happen as the director for this movie i couldn't imagine like it must have been one of the most stressful shoots (laughs) ever but the thing that solved it was uh, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, and Bill Murray on oh. set. Oh, God. Those three are hysterical. <laughs> and Bill Murray plays Peter Vankman, who is the arrogant womanizer Ghostbuster, who's just kind of in it for the ladies he's and the money. He's straight up a piece of shit. <laughs> oh, he's an <laughs> like, asshole. Like, even when we were watching the second movie and he's talking to Dana just about, like, oh, why about, like, why did we break up? What's up? Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm like, okay, well, maybe 
there was something good. I'm like going through my mind. I'm like, there is not a single point in that first movie where he does anything legitimately like selfless or good. Oh yeah. Well, the way we're introduced to him is first his office door that just says Venkman burn in hell, which was originally supposed to be worse before Ivan Reitman was like, maybe we should like tone this down before we introduce the character. Like I'll kill your family. <laughs> Yeah, oh, God. it was supposed to be like, Venkman, go, go rotten hell or something yeah, like that. Um, and so he's doing a, psycho- a quote-unquote psychological experiment on the, t- on the abilities of ESP. <laughs> and so he has two people set up to a shocking machine that if they guess the card that is turned around from them right, they don't get shocked. But if they guess it wrong, they get shocked. And again, this is like an actual uh, th- like way that they would test for ESP, like in mm-hmm. the occult community. Yes. It, in ESP is basically like telepathy. So it's someone is guessing the symbol, like you said, like on the opposite end of the car would be like a star or like a square, squiggly lines or something. Mm-hmm. And I mean, a lot of that is just, I mean, the reason that's like not a actual experiment is because anyone could guess. Yes. And, I mean, you have to find the difference, but how does Venkman do it? And Venkman, he has a guy and a girl. The guy is chewing bubblegum, which some for nerd. some reason when I was a kid, I always thought was like a Cheeto he was just chewing on during the entire scene. But there's this one guy who's chewing bubblegum while he's taking this test, and he gets a bunch of them wrong, and he's getting zapped over and over again. And then one time, he gets it right, and Venkman doesn't show him the other side of the card and just says, this is not your lucky day. Oh, and then he zaps him again. Meanwhile, the girl is getting all of them wrong. She's just saying she's, yeah, she's, anything. As a matter of fact, the first one she guesses is the card he just turned over. So one could assume it would be incorrect. She wasn't the brightest bulb. <laughs> but Venkman isn't shocking her and is just trying oh. to charm her and like, wow, you're so good at you this. Can you, can you see through these cards? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you want to have dinner tonight? I yeah. was thinking maybe, and then she says, 8 o'clock? 8 o'clock? You and he goes, my mind. I was just about to say 8 o'clock. And that is when um, <laughs> Raymond Stance comes into the room and kind of kills the moment for Pete. Man, you just did acting <laughs> over the whole scene. Because he is following up on the cold open from this movie, which is a librarian going through the basement of the New York Public Library as spooky things start happening around her. Yeah. Like, she sees giant stacks of books, and, um, what are they called? Like, the library cards of where things are, the index cards or something. They're starting to fly out of shelves, and she gets so spooked by a bright light that you have no idea what it is until about 20 minutes later. I don't know what they're actually called. I'm trying to think, because I actually know what they're called. (laughs) I don't want to seem like an idiot. (laughs) I want to say, like, a codex, but that's not right no, either. It's, okay, so way, way back in the day, brief history lesson for, the, <laughs> like, library history. So way, way back in the day, they had, um, uh, instead of, like, like a database, they would use, like, the Dewey Decimal System, so they'd have, like, the books categorized by a number. Like, from one number to another number would be, like, history or biographies or whatever. And every single book in the library would have a, like, card. Like, a, it's a reference card. Reference card. That's what they're actually <sighs> called. It's a reference card. So it has, like, the, the author and the title and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. you can go... And then the location in the library. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, Dan, <laughs> you go... <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> so, so, okay, so, so... 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 So Ray is in there getting Venkman, you know... 
Just... And then they meet up with Egon at the public library, yes. where, again, Peter is shown to be kind of a dick to his friends in the most, kind of the most loving way possible. Man, were you menstruating? <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? Again, actually, it has a lot to do with everything, because, again, because Dan Aykroyd's a ghost nerd, he would know that poltergeist activity normally centers around women and normally on the cusp of their first menstruation so as they're going through puberty something like throws them off their rhythm and like mm-hmm. a bunch of telekinesis happens so again it's a fun thing but like i'm so like Haha, i know where that came from <laughs> <laughs> so um the three ghostbusters not yet actually called ghostbusters they're because they haven't started their scientists. business they're still working for the university at this point <laughs> They go into the basement of the library where they see a ghost down there. The yeah. ghost of a librarian from the past. Full form apparition. Like, a full a torso apparition. Call it doesn't it have legs, ghost. but it is a straight up ghost. Yeah. And they don't know what to do with it. They've never actually seen a ghost before. <laughs> They're like, oh shit, this stuff is real. Yeah. We found it. And then Ray has the brilliant idea of, I know how we can like attack this thing and catch it. And they're like, okay. And he just says, get her! <laughs> just like, they're like, um, we didn't think we'd get this far. Exactly. Tackle it. Well, and then it, it like yells back at them, and they get freaked out, so they run out of the library. It's like Scooby-Doo. Yeah. <laughs> and on the, on the heels of this big adventurous find that they just encountered a ghost for the first time, all of a sudden... They're kicked out of their university because they don't have any proof of anything. Oh, yeah, because I was like, okay, they're scientists. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, unfortunately, having to had do science, um, you got to write everything down and, like, publish things and send it. Like, So, like, the first thing you're going to want to do if you discover a fucking ghost is, like, okay, we got to, like, write this out. We got to talk about it. We got to give this to a bunch of people you know like we gotta like tell our peers and our colleagues one of my favorite quotes from i think all of television is from mythbusters which was i think adam savage was like the only difference between goofing around and science is writing it down oh, yeah they'd be like well that didn't work so it we were just it was a trial and error yeah exactly <laughs> like yeah you can build little weird remote things that measure radiation of some sort or electromagnetic whatever whatever's um and you could just go into like you know i mean if these guys are scientists they clearly they don't do this but i mean like anyone could just strap a thing on a thing and go into like a locker room and be like no no i'm doing research mm-hmm. it's for science <laughs> trust me man i'm a scientist <laughs> back off man i'm a scientist <laughs> So, hot off the heels of them being kicked out of their university, Venkman has the brilliant idea that, well, we can go into business for ourselves. Let's just, you know how good we were at catching ghosts (laughs) ten minutes ago? Let's do that all the time. Let's get paid for that. (laughs) I've been in the private sector, Peter. They expect results. <laughs> that's that's all Ray has to say as a response. He's just like, I don't know how we're going to do this. Well, surely I think that's why they said like they were able to like last this long in the parapsychology department. It's all they had to do is just claim they were doing research. Mm-hmm. Um, but once they start like going into business, they're like, well, you need to like do a service. You can't yeah. just be like, well, the search for knowledge continues and mm-hmm. we just can't find anything so far. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just basically buy your time while you get paid to do pretty much nothing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so as they begin to finance their operation, they find an old firehouse, which is, again, I think one of the iconic moments from this is Ray finding out it has a fire pole. Well, it's great because they're like, um, so... This thing is it's horribly... It's it's got rats, it's got mold or It whatever. does not have the energy requirements we no. need. But then Ray's like, does the fire pole There's work? There's a fire pole, guys! <laughs> guys, we should, tr- we should stay here tonight to test it out. <laughs> to test it out! <laughs> and then the realtor's just like, so? Like, I guess we'll take just it. Like, just, just take it. Like, no money, just take it. Yeah. <laughs> and so they put in some of the only money they have at this point for a TV ad that is airing in, like, midday public television. Yeah, yeah well, so, they know their market audience. Yeah. <laughs> and the one person who happens to see it is Dana Barrett who is played by Sigourney Weaver. Yes, from our Aliens episode. From Aliens. Alien episode, sorry. That hasn't um, come out yet. I was like, we'll get to Aliens. <laughs> um, and it, she happens to see it right before she has a paranormal experience of her own, where in her kitchen, she had just finished grocery shopping, and some of her eggs started frying on her counter, which is not a stovetop, so why would it be frying eggs? I just wish maybe if she had gone on to Hell's Kitchen... <laughs> And she could have meal prepped when she wasn't even there. It would have been great. Gordon would have been so thrilled. These eggs are perfect. They're just perfect. Who who did who this? Who did this? Um, uh, ghosts. Ghosts. Right then. Mm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we watch a lot of Hell's Kitchen. Oh my gosh. It's so great. Um. Just like, Ghostbusters in Hell's Kitchen and like... At the zenith, at the middle, is where you'll find Danny Hollander. <laughs> Rocking a Ghostbusters cap as I'm cooking over the stove. <laughs> that would be, that'll be you if you get your own restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. Oh my god. <laughs> Have we just broken you? <laughs> I think we've just figured out my career path. I really just want, like, the apron is just the logo from Ghostbusters 2, but it's holding a pitchfork, like, from Hell's Kitchen. It just says, I ain't afraid of no chef. And it's just you cooking forever. I think I need it. (laughs) Someone make it, please. So, so anyway. (laughs) Getting back to the task at hand. Getting back to Ghostbusters. (laughs) So... The Ghostbusters get a call from, like, a major hotel, and um, Janine, who's their secretary, is like, yes, they are real, this is actually what they do. And at this point, they've made some new scientific discoveries, like, they have a theoretical proton pack that should work, that they've built, they have a ghost trap that theoretically should work, they've never tested this stuff. you say proton pack. Yes. What a proton pack is, is just an unstable laser. (laughs) Yes, that, you're gonna that is fire. powered by, like, nuclear power. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like, and they're like, hey, um, don't, like, let them touch. Yeah, don't cross the streams. Because we could just Because we could everything. blow up the entire universe in a second. It's like, we could just end all, like, molecular life in a second. Mm-hmm. And they're like, ha! Okay. Let's keep going. So that's bad. <laughs> so that's bad. Duly noted. <laughs> And the first time they test out their proton pack, they think they see a ghost in this hotel, but it's just a maid pushing a maid's cart around. And they almost killed a woman. Sorry that we almost killed you. 
Like, they don't know what these do. Yeah. Like, it's truly, like, it, it, when they get down to it, like, it really just kind of, like, lassos a ghost, like, in a, like, a field. Mm-hmm. Like, they go into, it, like, like a It, like, encircles them. It, like, traps them so, like, they can't move any further, and then, like, they kind of, like, can fish them into this trap. Mm-hmm. Um, that again, they don't really know what happens to them in it, or, like, how they're converted energy-wise. Yeah. Really what it is. So I'm bringing up all these, like, questions, because they get angry when people ask them questions. <laughs> Specifically, like, when the government asks them, like, hey, um, you didn't publish any of this, scientists, right? Like, you didn't say, you just are doing things. Mm-hmm. How can we trust you? <laughs> Is this going to give anyone cancer? Like, do you even know? <laughs> well, yeah, after they successfully capture the ghost Slimer in the hotel, after just destroying a bar mitzvah setup, like, completely destroying this dining room at this five-star hotel in downtown Manhattan. We came, we saw, we, we kicked, kicked its ass! ass. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, it's, it's a mess in there. <laughs> well, like, the hotel manager's like, I didn't know it was going to cost me $5,000 oh, cool. to we'll get you. Oh, cool, just put it back in there. No! <laughs> fine <laughs> awesome <laughs> <laughs> like they're just like almost extorting people oh like, absolutely oh, yeah. well the prices are completely random because egon's just like throwing up finger signs at peter while he's talking like five, like five thousand dollars like, yeah like we're giving you a two thousand dollar deal Come right on, here man, we give you good price yeah we give you good price you want our stuff <laughs> like they're just like people aren't like indignant towards them they're just kind of like Huh, I, I, I don't know. And they're like, oh, yeah? You don't know? Oh, yeah, you want a ghost like, in your oh, house? You like, oh, uh, no, but, like, can you chill? <laughs> they're just, like, strong-arming people. And it's always Peter. <laughs> no, it's, like, only Peter. Or, or yeah, or, uh, like, Ray being like, listen, it's a very... I am Bernie Sanders' voice. That's my Dan Aykroyd impression. <laughs> He's like, listen, it's a very serious thing. You got a, you got a psychomagnetic pulse. You like Harrison ghost. Ford in there, too. You switched the samples. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it's Ray spewing science Technical jargon, jargon. And then Peter being like, listen, you don't want a ghost in your house. And Egon just being quiet in the corner, collecting samples of mold. Just writing it down. <laughs> Noting your facial cues. <laughs> and sometimes Ernie Hudson's there. <laughs> yeah, so we haven't even gotten to him yet. <laughs> So they get back from this, and they charge the hotel however much it was, and they suddenly are like, hey, we have a business! We can charge people a shitload of money, and they'll pay it! <laughs> They're just criminals. <laughs> They're grifters. They are, gr- they are scientist grifters. They are Spider-Man villains. They are using technology that only they understand to get money from people that are afraid of them. <laughs> They are Electro. <laughs> they are. <laughs> and they're in New York. Where was Spider-Man to stop them? <laughs> like, you, oh you, you put this in a Marvel comic, they're Spider-Man They're the bad villains. guys. They're Spider-Man villains. They're like, ghosts? Sure. Well, and it's like the, it's like the Scooby-Doo fallacy of, like, yeah. if there's something strange in your neighborhood, it's usually the person that has the most to gain. Yeah. So, like, I would say, you know... Scooby doing that hotel scene, it's the guy whose, you know, son's gonna have the bar mitzvah who's like, Oh no, there's there's a ghost in there. I guess we uh you gotta give us a discount rate or something like it's that kind of mm-hmm. thing. 
Although in this case, it's like they could just release ghosts into like the most expensive places to be like, oh, 10 grand will get rid of that ghost wink wink for you. And they're like, whatever you want, I'll pay you. <laughs> <laughs> like sorry. looking into I'm them sorry. no looking into them they're bad people they are not but good. you you gotta love them in this movie that's my favorite they're just, thing about they're the just movie is like, it's just the cops being like hey why are you drilling into like the street that's dangerous and they're like hey get off my backs will ya the phone lines are over there they're like yeah um you're just gonna hit like a gas main it's gonna be it's dangerous what are you talking about and then the entire city has a blackout behind like, them Put him in jail, and then we're supposed to be like, no, let him go. And we're like, um, no, they did that, because they're irresponsible. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can we get so to Ernie Hudson? Can we start talking about <laughs> Yeah. So, um, now that their business is up and running and it's starting to turn profit, people are calling them all the time. They are swamped with work. When Dana Barrett, played by Sigourney yes. Weaver, shows up, and it's like, hey, there might be, like, a dimensional portal in my fridge can someone come check on that and like instead of sending like egon or ray like, who know what the they're scientists, doing they peter's like the, i do i got like, this sleaze ball to go like just try to sleep with her i've got this she's hot uh dibs they're like whatever you say <laughs> they're like we're swamped back here they're they're busy looking at a wall or something <laughs> they're like no no i swore I I saw a room. and they're like and he's just like great i'll see you guys later <laughs> Like, they're just psychopaths. And so... Oh, my God. There's a little, like... uh, Montage. That's where I'm looking for. There's a little montage of them going around the city, catching ghosts, and then Dana shows up, and she's like, hey, can someone check this out? And Peter goes with her. And while that happens, Winston Zedmore, played by Ernie Hudson, shows up and is like, hey, I heard you guys are hiring. And they're like, do you believe in in anything around ghosts? And he just goes, if it's got a steady paycheck... I'll believe anything you want. So, not even a scientist, <laughs> just a guy. Just a guy who's looking like for a, a paycheck. a plumber or something, just like, um, I'll shoot a weapon that's powered by a nuclear bomb. Teach me what to do and I'll do it for you. I don't even care. Well, like, when they're showing him around and they're like, hey, um, this is where we dump the ghosts, like, where we put him yeah, in the, the trap. The first thing <laughs> that Ray does when he, when he meets him is like, cool, hold these ghost traps, I need to wash my hands, and then I'll go show you where we empty them out. It is Minute one training. They have no time to futz around. Well, and then when they, he's the one where they say, like, okay, you know, uh, what's, like, what do we do here? Like, what is, like, what is all this stuff? Like, all the stuff, like, Egon's talking about, like, mm-hmm. the big singularity that's coming. Well, yeah, there's this, jo- there's a much larger amount of ghosts that are coming around yeah. r- suddenly. And it's got, like, a field that's basically, like, a 12-block long, 40,000-ton Twinkie. That's a pretty big Twinkie. <laughs> and that's Winston's, like, retort, because yeah, he's like, I don't like, know what's going on. Cares? <laughs> that's a big Twinkie. Also, Ernie Hudson um, has experience with ghosts, because um, he's in The Crow. That's right. Which we will one day discuss, probably with Kevin. Oh, yeah. Um, go watch The Crow, it's awesome. I love it. <laughs> anyway, so what's what's... What's Peter doing investigating Dana? So, Peter's at Dana's apartment where we run into Louis Tully, played by Rick Moranis. The most lovable oaf in that movie. Rick Moranis was in everything from your childhood. He was in Everything in the 80s. Not Flubber. No, that's Robin Williams. I'm an idiot. 
He was in Little Shop of Horrors, Small uh, Small Green Thing. That's what where my mind went. Gotcha. Uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Mm-hmm. Um, Ghostbusters, Spaceballs. Spaceballs. He was in some animated things too that I can't remember. Oh, that I a don't bunch know. of different ones, but um, he is like a quintessential eighties no, performer. You know what it is? What is it? So okay, it's Christmas time. All right. Uh huh. When my brothers and I were kids, um, there was this Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer movie that we watched all the time. Like, not the original one from, like, the 60s. We're talking, mm-hmm. like, one from, like, the 90s. Ni- I think it was, like, the 90s. Okay. Um, he was the bad guy in it. Really? Also, Jamie Lee Curtis was in it about a year after she did H2O. Oh, my God. A year, like, before or after she did H2O. So this is, like, peak Jamie Lee Curtis in the mm-hmm. 90s age. Wow. I didn't know it was her until like a year ago. I also forgot it was Rick Moranis, but I was like, man, how do I know him from something animated? It's that. Well, and another something animated that Rick Moranis did was he was a voice in the Brother Bear movies for well, Disney. Because he also did that, um, I wish we had Kevin on, because he actually knows where these guys are from. Like, they're uh, on like the Canadian... Oh, they were in um, SCTC. Yeah, SCTC. Or SCCT. Yeah. Something like it's that. It's like the Canadian SNL. Mm-hmm. Um, it was him and um, the guy that's... He wasn't in the Full House, right? I don't know. I don't know where the other... There's there's a decent amount of people who came out of it. Like, I think Martin Short did it for a, a couple so. of years. Yeah. But, but like, yeah. they were in, like, Strange yeah, Brew. Yeah, they did Strange that. Brew from oh. it, which is the Canadian equivalent to Wayne's World it, for it SNL. It is the same. And then they did those characters for the Brother Bear movie. They were the, uh, the, the, the Moose. Yes. Yes. They just played themselves as Moose. I love that. Well, and then Rick Moranis took a retirement from acting yeah. after his wife passed away so he could help raise his kids more efficiently. Yeah. And I completely respect him for that. I'm really, really glad he was able to take that moment for himself and be like, no, I need to do this for myself and my kids. Yeah. Well, and now, obviously, like, all of his kids are now, like, adults. So well, and, yeah, now he's talking perfect. about coming back into the acting world with uh, potential Honey, I Shrunk the Kids remake. Yes, which would be great because... I mean, it cannot be overstated how great Rick Moranis is. He's so... He's hilarious. He's such a great He's a great actor. guy. And he's the best character in this movie. Bar none. <laughs> like, he's just so great. He's just trying to be so nice. He's he's trying to be friends with Dana, who's across I, the hall from yeah. him in the apartment. And he accidentally gets himself locked out of his apartment like three times while he's trying to talk to uh, her. Well, and like, he's like a very successful... Like, accountants. Yeah, he's doing really well for himself. And, I mean, like, he basically, like, hosts, like, he's, like, having a a meeting for all of his clients. Like, people that are, like, the opposite of every, like, all of his clients are so dynamically different people. Like, I think there was, like, some Chinese guys that didn't even speak English. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's hosting a a party. And he (laughs) he invites all of his, um, like, people he does taxes for. Yeah. So he could write it off as a business expense. Oh, dude. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> okay, but you would think, okay, these are people that don't know each other at all. This mm-hmm. party gets, like, off the hook. They're having a blast. Dude, there's, like, some, like, super hot, like, go-go dancer looking chick. Who's, oh, yeah. like, give She's like, I want to dance. you, buddy. <laughs> like, she was, like, all over him. And he's like... Oh, I don't know, man. I, I gotta go see if Dana's gonna oh, get you home. Got, oh, you man. have a date for tonight? Oh, okay. That, that's fine. That's okay. Come you can in. bring him to... And I'm like, oh, this little guy just wants her around. Like, he... 
He's like, yeah, I thought your TV was on, so like I climbed over to the like other side of the building. They're like thirty floors up. Oh yeah, they're at like <laughs> one of the, the top floors of this like skyscraper. It's like everything that he says is legendary. Oh, absolutely. He's great. And so Peter's just looking around this apartment, and there is nothing to show for. He goes, my one of my favorite things, just to show how much of like a womanizer Peter is. He looks in one door. Dana just goes. Oh, that's the bedroom. Nothing ever happens in there. And he just goes, well, that's a shame. <laughs> Nothing ever happens in there. Oh. What a crime. We could change that. <laughs> and so he looks into the fridge where he's expecting to see some kind of weird portal. And he's just like, you have a lot of junk food in here. Oh, come on, man. And there's no sign of anything ghostly. No. And he's like, well, I don't really know what's going on here. Well, you're cute. You want to go out? Well, and quick segue to talk about um, Sigourney Weaver. We kind of glazed over a little bit in the Alien episode, but like Sigourney, we and we. I mean, actually, no. We kind of did talk about like the role of like the the femininity and like the lack of you know sexism that like she like stepped up to the plate and mm-hmm. like really brought it without like you know anything being written that way. It was yeah, just, like she just did it because she's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um. She carries herself with, like, an air of, like, professionalism, but not to the point where, like, they're putting her, like, on a pedestal or, like, making her as an object or something. Like, they, well, no, she's a she's real person. She's character. She's, like, playing cello for the New York Symphony Orchestra. Yeah, yeah. Like, she is a successful woman of her own right yeah, like, in the 80s. Yeah, there's a whole lot of depth they gave this character. And, I mean, granted, they needed to because she was a main character, but mm-hmm. they they truly didn't need to make this like a like back in the day like they could have gotten away with having a woman character in this semi comedy movie mm-hmm. um just kind of be nothing um i can't really think of a whole lot even though i've seen a lot of um <laughs> films from the 80s that are comedies mm-hmm. i can't think of one because all the ones i can think about are all awesome like the woman from battle off dead who's just great at everything yeah. and sweet and amazing and perfect i don't remember her name <laughs> It was Monique, I'm sorry. But, like, my point is... <laughs> sorry, I, I had a big crush on her when I was a kid. Matt, Matt's having a moment over here. Monique was awesome. <laughs> but the point is that um, Dana's role in this movie is just as important as any of the Ghostbusters except for Winston. But that's no fault of Winston's because he was supposed to be... Uh, um, so, yeah, when they originally right. wrote the script for this movie, they wanted Winston to be a larger part of the group, and he was going to be... He was going to show up earlier in the film when they wanted uh, Eddie Murphy to play the role. Mm-hmm. But when Eddie Murphy passed on, I think he was doing Beverly Hills Cop I was going to that say, like, that's like peak Beverly Hills Cop, um, Eddie Murphy. <laughs> so he had to turn down the movie, and so while they were working to recast it, they were already in the filming. Yeah. So they had to write his role to be a smaller portion of it. Um, because actually, originally, Winston was the one who was supposed to be slimed by Slimer in the hotel. Oh, right, right, um, right. But then they were able to cast Ernie Hudson a little later in the process, mm-hmm. and they were able to film with him for what he is in in the movie now. Well, it's good to know that, I mean, because, so, it should be said, Winston's the only one of the group that's black. Yes, he is the only person so, of color yeah, in the movie. Which is, I mean, that was the 80s, and I mean, that just kind of was what it was, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does seem to have like a token kind of role yes he's just he's not a scientist and he just kind of shows up and is there and just you know is is part of it Mm -hmm. um but 
and and unfortunately in the sequel is pretty much the same. Yeah. So I will give the first movie a pass, but not the second one because no. at least like from the outside it looks like they're just like oh whatever they just threw a black guy in just for no reason. Um, but it does make it better that they're like well we were writing it and him down because we were making the movie and mm-hmm. like we just kind of already had this character that we didn't want to get rid of, but we couldn't really do anything with so there's his role suffers for it. Um, yeah, the second movie has no excuse. No, not at <laughs> it all. It really does not have any excuse at all for why he's not in this movie. <laughs> like, he just, like, pops in and pops out. Like, they don't even, like, write him away, like, oh, Winston's with his family or something. They just, he's just not there. Yeah. <laughs> like, at all. But then, when Peter comes back, we are introduced to the last, I would argue, main character of this movie. Oh, great. Walter Peck, <laughs> I also, who is an environmental... <laughs> who is an agent for the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA. And he's like, hey, so you guys are a new business here. I need to test and see if, like, what you're doing is bad for the environment. Um, with what? Oh, nuclear reactors. Huh. Now, like, where do you put all your waste? Oh, a containment facility. Where's the containment facility? Can I see it? No. No. Why not? Um. You didn't say say please. please. Well, Can I please say? I know you're. It's like it's like. Haha, I know we're being fun. You guys are like kind of scoundrels, but like, um, this is like a, a legitimate health problem, maybe. And then, gotta look, look at. and then Peter's just like, okay, come back with a court order, and then I'll show you it. And it's like, you know what, fucker? Yeah, yeah, I, I will, because I'm it's in like, the right here. So, again, they're just making like figures of authority look bad for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, that hotel guy gets mad at them for trashing the hotel, mm-hmm. and we're supposed to, like, hate him for it. <laughs> I'm like, no, he's right. I would be angry. It, it's true. <laughs> yeah, the Ghostbusters aren't the best people, but you gotta love them by the end. I mean, I don't not like them. Exactly. Just, okay, we were talking about this during the second movie. Mm-hmm. Anytime that there is, and I know I just spouted all of this stuff about how they're objectively kind of bad, but, um... They saved the world twice from being destroyed by like an interdimensional god. Mm-hmm. Um, they get a pass for everything that they've done. So it's like that like civil war argument of like, oh well, you do you guys do a lot of bad, and it's like, okay, well if we didn't exist, um, Earth would be destroyed. Yeah. So like you know maybe get off their back about like suing them for damages for that ho- that like apartment building they blew up when they mm-hmm. were killing Goza the Destroyer. Yes. Um, so in that right, I will say, like, okay, yeah, they're assholes, but, like, they did save the world. <laughs> yes. But that's jumping ahead. <laughs> we still gotta talk about what they do with the freaking mayor just being like, go, yeah, go for it. <laughs> just do it. It's fine. <laughs> so Dana goes back to her apartment and lo and behold, she's on the phone with her mom, and she's like, oh, yeah, I have a date with a Ghostbuster tonight. Yeah, those guys you've seen on the TV? Yeah, I don't know how I feel about him yet, but we'll see. <laughs> she's like, truly, I have no idea. And then her chair attacks her. There are arms coming out of her chair, holding her down, and there is a giant, ugly dog in her kitchen. It's not that. It's a big gargoyle hellhound. It's thing. it's called a terror dog. Oh. It's not going to look good. No, it's like a big... Yeah, like a big gargoyle. It's like a gargoyle come to life and poop brown for some reason. It's bronze, okay? The CGI wasn't very good. (laughs) Leave it alone. It was 
1984. Listen, I love this movie, but I'm going to give it shit where I should give it shit. Oh, I was I was waiting to give it shit for you. <laughs> I was like, man, Danny's really going to lay into me about how the Ghostbusters are, like, not bad at all. And oh, like, no. No, no, no. I'm like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> now that we're on the same page. Uh, and so Peter shows up for their date, and his date's possessed. She's wearing, like, a curtain drape yeah, instead like of a dress. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, are you the gatekeeper? Or are you the key master? And he goes, master? no. And she just slams the door in his face. <laughs> I'm the key master yeah. now. Good come Good in. Come in. <laughs> <laughs> like, the ghost that's possessing her isn't the brightest. I mean, it, it it's doesn't just like, really, whatever. It's like humans are insignificant. We're trying to usher in the devil. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to usher in a god. Yeah. Well, and, and so where what happens with that keymaster? Like, who who's that gonna be? So you wonder, who else is gonna be possessed? Yeah. And then lo and behold, at Louis Tully's party, <sighs> he throws a jacket into his closet and hears a growl, and he's like. Okay, guys, who brought a dog? And then this giant terror dog bursts out of the closet <laughs> and scares everyone. Well, and he, I feel like, I mean, and even when he does get, like, possessed, he's got that fun scene with, like, a horse. Like, he's still, like, it's still, like, a nerd possessed by some ancient demon. Mm -hmm. Like, because it's these two demons, I don't know what the Keymaster's one's name is, but it's... Uh, Vince Clortho. I don't of course know why I know I that offhand. I didn't know I didn't just ask you right off the bat, but it's like Zool and Vince. apparently some Mark Antony fashion designer type name guy. Um, but they are, they need to like, I'm looking at you for assurance, bind together to open a portal for this god to come through. Yes? They make out and have sex in order to make... When opening. I meant Bond, I but meant yes. fuck, because it's magic, and it's, it's thousand-year-old magic. Every single thing is about fucking. <laughs> I was like, in the movie, they're just like, she dips him and kisses him, and that's it, and then they wake up with his pants kind of open, and you're like, okay, so we get what oh, happened shit. here. Oh, shit, we forgot one of the best Oh, things. don't you worry, I have not forgotten. Oh, you no, I'm gonna come montage. back to it. <laughs> Can we address it now, or do you want to come back to it? Let's later? do it. Okay, so in the montage... <laughs> When they're busting ghosts and being great. Um, That's not the only thing. <laughs> busting. Stans is bust. Um, so, you know the story, like, behind this. Like, when they were filming, initially it was, like, a longer scene that they, like, cut down. Did you do you know about this? Uh, it sounds familiar, but I don't know it offhand. So, there's there was supposed to be a scene where, like, the guys, like, were investigating, like, a civil war, like, fort or something. Mm -hmm. In order to, like, get the ghost to, like, come out at night. So, like, they all dressed up as soldiers and, like, went to bed. And, um, uh, <laughs> Ray wakes up in the middle of the night. That's why he's, like, wearing, like, weird soldier outfits. Mm -hmm. And he wakes up in the middle of the night and there's this, like, ghost woman hovering above him. And he's like, oh, shit. And he, like, disappears. Because, like, their big thing was that they were, like, okay, well, they were trying to channel the ghost of this woman whose, like, husband was killed in war or something. Mm -hmm. And he was, like, sleeping in her husband's, like, quarters, like, in a uniform. So, like, the ghost is, like, it's my husband. So instead of, like, being all Victorian and, like, embracing him, like, oh, my love, you are a return. Um, she blows him. <laughs> yep. That was... <laughs> <laughs> So, so I think that's a good. I think this is a good time to so talk they cut about. that scene out, and instead, just during the montage, had Ray dreaming about waking up in a 
soldier's outfit while a ghost blew him. Now, it's not, like, obviously shown, but, like, his pants get, like, his, like, fly gets open, and then, like, his eyes and go he has a f- He makes quite a face. And I'm like, dude. <laughs> okay. And I think this is a good point to mention. This movie was not originally meant for, like, a younger audience. It was written mm. with a lot more adult humor. It was still rated PG because this was before PG-13 was, was a thing. Before Temple of Doom. Which yeah, I think was the same year, of Doom. actually. I yeah. think it was 84. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Um, but because it was before Temple of Dune had changed the rating system, yeah. it was still a PG-rated movie. Hey, then why and was that movie rated PG-13? What movie? Why was Temple of Dune? Like, it wasn't. What was wrong it about it? Started, yeah, but it started. It made it. But why... W- Dan, what could possibly have been in that movie that made people be like, we need a new rating system? I mean... Just off the cuff. I yeah, think off it, the cuff. I think like, it might be, like, tearing someone's heart out. Yeah, yeah, like a child slavery, maybe. Yeah. And, you know, the, the... Eating chilled monkey brains. I think that may have actually made the cut, <laughs> for sure, because that... It, it was funny to laugh at people. But, yeah. So, no, you're right. So, like, they... It was still, like... And we talked about this a bit on the Alien episode, that, like, they were marketing movies that maybe weren't for kids, like, sort of to kids, like, mm-hmm. with the toys, and you said, like, the show... So, yeah, it's, you know, that weird, like, middle ground area. Well, yeah, and there's enough in this movie where I think anyone of any age could really enjoy it. But I think, Mm -hmm. especially now, having grown up with this movie and having watched it more times than I think I'd be willing to count, (laughs) and having seen it more recently as an adult, there's a lot more you'll pick up as you grow up with this movie. Oh, for sure. Well, it's like Shrek. It's like watching Shrek when you were five as opposed to watching Shrek now. It's like, it's not that it was for adults, but, like... People used, some make, people used to make movies, like, for everybody, and not mm-hmm. just, like, for children or for adults. Like, yes. You know, and it's, it's it's not, like, the end of the world to have, like, a sexual innuendo in a movie. No. And, I mean, I can only think of, like, one time that they, like, in any way curse in this movie. There's a couple times that I can think of not off like, the cuff. like, damn, but... I'm talking, like, when he's, like, calls him dickless. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> So I think to get into that, <laughs> the reason that Peter Bankman calls Walter Peck dickless the EPA inspector. Um, is because he comes back with his court order and he's like, hey, shut it off. And they're like, um, I don't think you understand that if we do that, it's going to release all of the ghosts we caught in that montage. And well, he's, he's like, like I don't care. I don't give a shit. <laughs> he's like, I don't care. I don't know what's going to happen from this. Turn it off. And then a worker from Con Ed is just like, Hey, I don't really know how this works. I don't know if we should be doing this. Listen, I don't know what this looks like, but it's humming at me. And I don't, <laughs> and I don't like that. It's like it's like pulsing with light. Mm-hmm. Well, at this point, Louis Tully, who has been possessed by the other um, dog. Louis Vuitton. No, Vince Clortho. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> so he's, he's with the Ghostbusters now, and um, they're doing like tests on him to see like, Oh, so when we do, like, an MRI scan of her, his head, it's a dog head. That's not good. Science. <laughs> you know how science works in 1984. Uh, <laughs> and so they turn off the containment grid, and it's getting ready to blow up in the basement of the firehouse. Because yeah. Dan- it's dangerous. Because okay? it's very dangerous to turn it off. Dangerous. And so they all leave the building, and a giant, like mid 2010s like sky beam shows up releasing all the ghosts (laughs) i thought the sky beam was later when it when gozer showed up no this is now because this is what sparks the opening for gozer right right, it's the wild spread of ghosts everywhere 
And so they're all like, well, shit. You just let loose, like, the past six months of work for us. <laughs> now we're going to have to put in some overtime. Yeah. And they lose track of Lewis, and they're like, where where did the possessed boy go? Like, you lost him? <laughs> you had one job. Come on, just sit him down, put a seatbelt on him. <laughs> and so he runs towards the building, because that's where all of them, all the ghosts are going yes. towards. Yeah. Because the architect of the building, Evo Shandor, oh, who will that, show up more and thing. more, <laughs> he built this building unlike how everyone else builds building. He basically made it as, like, a lightning rod, but for paranormal yeah. activity. Because he built, like, because we were, I remember when we went to go see it in the theater, and I forgot about this part. Mm-hmm. But I was I was sitting next to Tori, and she's like, why is there just, like, an altar on the on the roof? I'm like... You know, masonry and how shit looks. And I'm glad that it's like, no, it was in mind. Like, yeah. He built it with a, you know. Well, and they get into that when the Ghostbusters are arrested for breaking the Environmental Protection Act. Yeah, rightfully so. <laughs> yes. Because they had a machine that was full of ghosts. <laughs> and it just had it in Manhattan. And it blew up. Yes. <laughs> and so the mayor ends up calling them to his office because he's like, hey, there's a lot of ghosts. I don't really know what to do about it, but you call yourselves Ghostbusters. Can you help? And he even turns to, like, his go-to priest, and he's like, listen, Father, Um. um, what can I do about this? And he's like, well, I don't like to tell the government what to do, but... I think this is the end of times, and it's time to go pray. (laughs) And the mayor's like, well, I can't just go on TV and tell... New Yorkers to pray. It's literally that scene from The Exorcist when, like, doctors are like, you ever think about calling a priest? <laughs> it's the opposite of... Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go talk to a priest about this. Uh, the priest is just like, guess we're gonna die. And then he's like, well, Ghostbusters, what can I give you to help you make this go away? Uh... And they're like, hey, you know what would be fun? I need a police escort and some of the army to just back us up. <laughs> just to chill there and make us look tough. Yeah. <laughs> and so... While we go and figure it out. <laughs> yeah. So they go to this hotel or... It's an apartment Apartment building. complex. <laughs> whatever you want to call it. It's How many a, times have you seen this movie? So many. <laughs> I think I called it a, a hotel at the beginning, too. We're also like an hour into this. I Are we? <laughs> Dude, we gotta do two parts. Let's do this one and we'll do one okay. two right after this. Okay. So anyway, um, they go to this building, and the ground starts, like, caving into itself when they're there. Because, like, the ghosts are like, hey, don't fuck with us. And then (laughs) all the people who are, like, watching this happen, because for some reason there's a giant crowd every time they do whatever they're doing at the end of these movies. Yeah, one of those extras is Ron Jeremy. (laughs) Is it really? Yeah. My God. I just... I just have a couple of trivias that I'm, I'm just glad you... <laughs> I'm waiting for like the time where I'm like, oh, I know that. <laughs> so they crawl out of the pit that their car fell into, and they almost got crushed by a police car. I don't think pe- I don't think people talk about that enough. Like they almost got crushed by a police car. I mean, but I digress. In retrospect, they made it out. More dangerous things happened to them that night. It's true. <laughs> um. So they get out of the pit and they go into the apartment complex and they're like wait, the elevators aren't going to work right now. This building has been, the like, top of this building has been blown up. We're going to have to take the stairs. And they have to go up 35 flights of stairs. Oh, my God. And Peter just turns to And they are, Ray like, a doc scientist. They are They're not, not athletic. 
he just turns to him and goes, how far up are we? And he goes, 22. And he goes, when we get to 30, let me know. I'm going to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, you know what? That's how I would also be after 30 like flights of stairs. firefighter equipment. Like, the weight of what that's Their backpacks like. are like, or their proton packs are like, 60, 70 pounds, easily. And again, scientists, not the most mobile individuals. So eventually, they finally get up to the roof, and and Peter sees Dana still in her weird, like, satin wrap thing. Yes. And he's like, oh, Dana! And she turns into a dog in front of him. Turn off. Does not go well. And then they're like, well... Guess we should see what they're looking at, because they're not looking at us. And they see these giant, like, ethereal doors open. This is one open. of my favorite scenes in the movie. So, again, we've established they're, like, blue-collar scientists. Most, they don't really have a lot of, like, consideration for others or, you know, wherewithal to, like, understand the gravity of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um... They see a, like, yeah, like you said, an interdimensional portal, like, open. And it looks like the set of, like, a Rolling Stones, like, heavens. Oh, yeah. Heaven, like, music video. Like, it's a weird-looking, like, weird. It's I, weird. It's a weird-looking weird. thing. There's, like, weird pyramids and stuff. And this figure-skating person, like... Figure-skater outfit David Bowie-looking yeah. like, woman. Seriously, it looks like a cross between, like, David Bowie and, like, a figure-skate... Like, Tanya Harding. Mm-hmm. And they... It's a female model, right? You said? Yes. I remember they... Because it was a very, like, androgynous-looking mm-hmm. um, person. You're right. Like, she didn't speak a lot of English. Like, she was from, like, Romania or something. Oh, yeah. Someone else does the voice for yeah, her. they just had, like, a model come in because she looked, like, you know, ethereal-looking enough. Like, mm-hmm. a Tilda Swinton sort of yes. thing. And then just... What do they say, Danny? And then... It's called Gozer. Yeah, it's, Gozer a, it's a god called destroyer. Gozer. Gozer the Destroyer. Just turns to the four Ghostbusters, specifically Ray, who has walked towards her and is like, hey, on behalf of New York, we ask you to leave, please. And like, Gozer could you just... imagine, like, just... If, like, the end of times happened, and, like, Satan rose from the depths of hell and was, like, speaking in some, like, Aramaic, Sanskrit, like, weird, like onyx pillars are coming out of him and a cop just went hey pack this all up and uh, get out of here get out of here like they she looks at them like like humans are not like like yeah like they're ants the only question she asks is just are you a god are you a god and ray looks back at the others who like say say yes and he just goes no and goes she just goes then die <laughs> and <laughs> shoots him with like lightning. I love it. it. Was like, yes. I'm so sorry. I I was summoned here. I didn't want. I'm not starting to step on any toes. <laughs> I have my dimension. You got yours. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I will leave. Sorry. <laughs> no, it is not that. It's it's just get fucked, Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> and so they almost fall off the building. They almost get shot right off the skyscraper. And then they just turned to Ray and they're like, hey, Ray, if someone asks if you're a god, you say yes. That's the only thing I learned from that movie El Dorado. <laughs> they're just like, yes, yes, we're gods. <laughs> just say yes. Like, what's the worst that could happen at that point? And know. so. Some, di- like, big dick god measuring contests. And so they stand back up and they're like, all right, well, I guess we got to shoot her with our proton packs now. 
and they try to shoot her, and she just disappears. They're like, oh. <laughs> they're like, okay, did we win? Did, yeah, is she like, gone? What happened? <laughs> and then just like a booming voice coming from nowhere that like everyone in like a five mile vicinity can hear just yells, choose the form of your destructor. First of all, awesome. Second, Second of, all, of all, terrifying. terrifying. <laughs> like, that's like what I feel like Iron Maiden comes out to. Like, they're like, all right, you've been chosen for annihilation. What form do you want your death to come as? And it's like, heavy metal, bro. And then they're like, very well. And like a band comes out. Like, that's how you do it. So what do they pick, Dan? <laughs> so Peters turns all the Ghostbusters and just goes, okay, empty your heads. They're going to choose whatever we think of first. And before he can even finish saying that, Gozer just yells, it has been, it has chosen. been chosen. And Peter's just like, no, I didn't choose anything. Egon didn't choose anything. Winston? No. <laughs> Ray. Unfortunately, and, uh, guys. I couldn't help it. I The first thing that popped into my brain was the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. <laughs> it can't be. I was just thinking about when we used to roast Stay Puft Marshmallows over the campfire. Well, Ray's gone. How are we going to do this? Egon? I'm scared beyond any rational thought. <laughs> and they just see a hundred foot tall marshmallow man walking through Manhattan. I mean, there's worse ways to go. But there's also <laughs> cooler ways to go. Like, I would have thought of, like I said before, like this big like devil thing coming mm-hmm. up and like shooting like pillars of black smoke on everything. Or something, you know. Terrifying, but you could be yeah. like, all right, cool. Getting killed by a marshmallow, I just... That's gotta be kind of embarrassing. It's insulting. Like... <laughs> to marshmallows. Like, I know he's, like, 100 feet tall, so he's probably, like, heavy. It's, like, smiling, like, though. Like, it is. <laughs> well, it... So, I recently rewatched <laughs> Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. Yes. And one of the monsters that gets unleashed in that is the cotton candy glob. Like... Sick Scooby and Shaggy on this Marshmallow Man, he'll be toast, Well, and dude. they beat him in Monsters Unleashed by eating him. Yes, they eat it <laughs> until it's dead. <laughs> they killed it with their stomachs. They murdered a cotton candy glob that was sentient. <laughs> Directed into the, the morality of that. Because for now, I mean, at least now it's more of a tangible thing that they, mm-hmm. can, they can destroy, they can shoot. Nuclear blasts at it. Yes. And remember that thing that they were like, hey, um, all like living matter could be destroyed in like, the blink of an eye if we do this thing? Let's do that thing. Theoretically, <laughs> it should reverse whatever opened this portal. So this giant burning marshmallow man climbing the building we are currently on top of after crushing a church with his foot cool. should go away. Maybe. <laughs> it, do we want to try it, or do we want to die by marshmallow? Again, and I think if you had to choose between death by marshmallow god or death by, like, all living matter being... Nuclear blast. Yeah, like, but you'd... I mean, the way they talked about it, like, you don't even know. Like, you're just... Yeah, it, it wouldn't... You wouldn't I feel, feel it. I feel like if you're gonna make the decision for somebody, go with that. Yeah. Um, on the off chance, also, that you kill it. Yeah, and you survive. <laughs> Luckily for them... It closes the portal, and they survive. And a giant, burning marshmallow starts falling all over Central Park West. Cool. And he's and they close it. 
they're covered in marshmallow because it almost reached the top to them. And so they wake up and they're like, oh, it worked. Oh, sorry, Pete. Your kind of girlfriend you saw one time turned into a dog and it smells like burnt dog hair around here. I don't think this is going to turn out too good for you, buddy. I don't know if you should base a relationship off of this. But lo and behold... She survived because she is inside the burned carcass of a dog. Okay, a now I love terror dog. That's all well and good, but what happened to Rick Moranis? Rick Moranis, more Died? importantly, survives. Oh, but what? he can't because they were too busy. All of them helping Dana oh. and all of them ignoring Lewis. Yes. He gets out of most of it, except his head is stuck in there, and he's just asking for someone to turn on the lights. Poor Lewis. And they just, tur- and when they finally get it off of him, he's just, oh, thanks, guys. And they were like, well, you were just part of one of the only interdimensional, like, happenstances in the entire history of the world. He just goes, cool. Do you have someone who does your taxes? <laughs> he immediately plugs his career. You know what he is? He's a professional. He's he knows what he's it. doing. <laughs> he is on, because you know what? All those years in marketing, okay? That's how he knows how to throw a dope-ass party, and that's how he knows that not only can he get a customer out of the people who saved his life, mm-hmm. but also he sees the double whammy of, okay, they just saved the world. I'm the tax guy. Yeah. I'm going to make a bunch off. I don't know if tax people make commissions, but like if they would, he made a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. And then they go and greet their adoring fans at the lobby f- level, and then they roll credits happily together. Peter and Dana kissing at the bottom of the stairs all of them like hey we saved the day oh yeah and then just winston yelling i love this town yeah and that's the end of ghostbusters (laughs) the first one i was like it's not the end of ghostbusters because there's a ghostbusters 2 that we will talk about in a second part we're gonna take a little break yes come back to it so then um if no one was sold through that entire breakdown, why should someone watch Ghostbusters, the first? So I'm going to make a very bold statement here. Oh, 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 shoot, okay, okay. And I would argue that Ghostbusters is the quintessential 1980s comedy. Okay, yeah, I mean, I don't think a lot of people would disagree with you, and the people that would... We I, are 30, and we're alive during that point, so we have no frame of reference. I was like, there are other great... 80s iconic comedies like um, just off the top of my head is like Ferris Bueller yeah. which is another classic yeah. standard Chicago gotta love it oh of course but I think Ghostbusters really has the feel of like quintessential 80s like it's about it's not about comedy it's the comedy comes from yeah. what's going on around them and how these characters interact with yeah. it. It is natural comedy. It's yes. not comedy for the sake of comedy. That's my favorite type Which of I think is something me. that lacks these days. No, no, absolutely not. Um, well, and I, that, I was thinking that like when I was growing up, like a lot of the comedies that were coming out seemed very shallow. Yes. And I've kind of had my own like personal thesis of watching as many mid-2000s comedies as possible. And I'm being proven wrong more and more and more. Because what those movies and what Ghostbusters has is, yeah, it can have, like, Ghostbusters doesn't, but, like, these movies maybe have, like, jokes that don't land or things that maybe don't hold up, but it has more heart than any other type of genre film. Mm -hmm. Like, 
I really there's not as much heart in action movies. There's not a lot in horror, and which mm-hmm. is why when we've talked about when it does have that, it's very very special. Oh yeah. Um, comedy is the only genre where like in order to make a good one, it has to have heart of some degree. Mm-hmm. Like literally, like the other like a couple weeks ago when you guys were going to class, I was in my rewatch. I watched Knocked Up, which I'm like, man, probably sucks. I was crying by the end of that movie. Truly, really? I'm like, this is like. This movie was written by people that know how people react, they know how emotions work, and they know how to make characters that you want to be happy. Ghostbusters is as objectively criminals. Yes. (laughs) But they are just trying to do the right thing in a roundabout sort of way. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, they could have looked into, like, oh, there's a zenith of ghost activity coming that's going to, like, destroy the city earlier. But they were like, we're just kind of just doing our job. Mm-hmm. And people relate to that. Because, like, every superhero movie is like, well, you have the choice to do that or to not do anything and fail. Yes. There's not a lot of superhero movies that are just people doing their jobs. Mm-hmm. Because people get that more. Like, yes. Ghostbusters has that for sure. Absolutely. It also has Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray and Harold Ramis like all up there they're their legendary co- comedic po- oh, well and they're all legendary comedians mm-hmm. they are all like in the if there was a hall of fame for it like that would be I mean they would be in it yes like absolutely and I mean unfortunately Harold Ramis has passed away since mm-hmm. then um I would say they, they are the two of them at least are still living legends a lot of yes. these people on um, like John Candy uh and I literally I'm an idiot. I just lost his name. John Belushi. Chris Farley. And John Belushi. When all these guys normally, you know, that are like the apex of their comedy career, Mm -hmm. a lot of them are dead now. Yeah. Um, And you you still have like a lot of the the main hitters. Like you have like the Chris Farley, not Chris Farley, the Chevy Chase. I was Mm -hmm. to see them. Like the Chevy Chase, you have Bill Murray. A lot of these guys that are older that are still funny. Like Steve Martin. All these guys that are comedy geniuses. Um. And, like, have redefined how comedy is done. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, maybe they're not your cup of tea. Because, like, I'm not a huge Steve Martin fan, personally, and even less so of a Chevy Chase. But, like, they have an impact on the way that movies and, like, entertainment is. And yes. Ghostbusters is, like, that masterclass. And especially with Dan Aykroyd, and he's talked a lot about this, is combining, like, the paranormal with entertainment. Like, mm-hmm. these two things do have a... You know, they, they do meets. Yes. And people will respond to them. I mean, I I don't pity them in pitch meetings trying to get this movie made. Yeah. Like, people are like, ghosts? Like, what? I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Like, But then, you know, see how much of a success it was. Well, and I think part of that also has to do with the passion that Harold and Dan both had for this project. Absolutely. They wrote this script wanting to get it made and getting it made the way like, they, they wanted it. they were going to make it this way no matter what. Mm-hmm. And they were just lucky to find Ivan Reitman, who was able to bring it to life exactly how they were hoping to. Was this Columbia? That yes. Distrib- Columbia uh, distributed both the original and the sequel. All right. So this is before they were um, like bought out by Sony. So clearly, I mean, I, I don't know much about a lot of the other work, but mm-hmm. it's like kind of what we talk about here and there. Of If you just let someone who's truly passionate about something be passionate about it and make it like we're seeing it with the mandalorian right now mandalorian we just have i think two huge star wars fans of people that love it and want people to love it mm-hmm. making something for people that 
they also enjoy. Well, it's and to, not just for money. And to tie it back to something a little bit more horror based, Mike Flanagan with Doctor Sleep as the oh. sequel to The Shining, I think, is the perfect example of it. I want to cover Doctor Sleep while we're still on break because I promised Sean that we would talk about it with him. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I that would be another episode. Expect that I'll cry on. Yes. <laughs> just because it, 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 you're right. It's that is the perfect like you know spiritual like successor of like a Stephen King it's like it's a Stephen King feature that was that he wrote as a sequel to one of his more famous works as its own thing that has all of its own merits and can rest on its own laurels Mm -hmm. made by someone who is like that in their own wheelhouse where they finally got to make something that they really liked in Stephen King and because they are fans of it you know that it will be good yes and they will put 110% 110% into it. And he's already Mike Flanagan, so he already puts in 110% into everything. Yeah. But it's like 150% into it because he's like, okay, I love this and I need to make sure that Stephen King loves it a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's something that you see a lot of in specifically the horror community because you have directors um, that I would love to talk to someday. Yes. Just because you hear them talk about it, about just horror, they love it. They they make these movies because they love them and they know that ho- people love horror. Mm-hmm. I think that there's unfortunately a trend in they feel they people are seeing studios are seeing that horror can make a lot of money, and they're not really putting a lot of the care into it that they maybe should. Um, not to be like a not to be like down like those are still good movies, but mm-hmm. you can really see the difference between something like an one of the Annabelle movies with like Dr. Sleep. Mm-hmm. It's like, while Annabelle, I like as a movie, it, it doesn't have the same heart in it. Yes. Like, not like exactly. heart that like you need to have characters that are good, but like, it's just made differently. It's mm-hmm. made like how, you know, there's a big production, a huge budget movie, as opposed to something that's maybe like more subsued, but it's like, like Terrifier. Mm-hmm. Like it's made by people that love horror movies and want to make horror movies. Or a better example is like, anything that Adam Green, who did the Hatchet movies, did. Yes. Like, he grew up like us, where he loved horror movies forever, mm-hmm. has wanted to make them his entire life, and wouldn't rest until he did. And he got lucky enough to be super successful with it. Which is the kind of life that I want to have. Yeah. <laughs> where someone's just like, you know what? I can tell you really like this. You do it. Mm-hmm. Like, if someone was like, hey, we want to do a, a remake of The Purge, or something like that. Like, I'm thinking 25 years from now. <laughs> Like, we want to do a remake of The Purge. Um, we know that you, successful in other rights, Matt Berry, you really like The Purge movie. Or, like, what, what Chris Rock's doing with Saw. Yes. Like, they, he's, or he, like, he has the clout to be like, you guys making a Saw movie? Um, I'll produce it. I'll do anything to make sure this movie gets... Like, I would do the same of, like, mm-hmm. hey, I really, really, really want this to be good. I want it, like, please, let me make it, like, I want to make it as good as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. And I think more studios should recognize that. Yes. But yeah, so, before we go on this break, Ghostbusters is great. Um, I can't recommend it enough. I mean, it is an iconic movie for a reason. I mean, your parents definitely have seen it and definitely love it. Mm -hmm. So, like, please watch it. It's awesome. Uh... I would also recommend watching Ghostbusters too, but we'll talk. But about we will get into that later. up next. Also, Dan, it's it's Christmas time. It's the winter. That it is. Um, for those of us, I mean, we probably won't be making a lot of episodes over the next couple of weeks, um, mm-hmm. but we will do so when we can. 
but if in just in case we're not, um, may your days be scary and full of frights. <laughs> and have some seasoned spookenings. Mm-hmm. And a happy holidays. Let me tell you something.